Hey there, and welcome back to Away We Go, the podcast. I'm Andrew. I'm Kayla. And on today's episode, we are doing part two of our Portugal trip back in April of 2022, which is part of our Euro series. We're super excited to continue things where we left off. Kayla, real quick recap. What did we talk about in episode one? All right. Episode one, we covered the first 10 days of our trip to Portugal. That was three days in Lisbon, four days in Albufeira at an all-inclusive resort, and then another three days in Porto. Now, before we jump into episode two, we have, of course, our our guest with us today, beer. Our friendly beers. Last time we had two of the same beer, but this time we got two different ones. So, Kayla, you go first. Awesome. So today I'm drinking Septième Ciel. It's from Brasseur du Monde, and they are located in Saint Hyacinth, Quebec. It is a sour IPA. Interesting. I, on the other hand, have a pecan pie porter which I thought was apt for recording a podcast about Portugal. Not to mention, it is also currently Canadian Thanksgiving while we're recording this. It is from Double Trouble Brewing, which is out of Toronto, Ontario. This beer was brought to us physically by Mark and Taylor, some of our good friends who are now in Toronto. Glad to finally crack into this. Mine is at least a 5.7% beer. What are you dealing with, Kayla? Mine's an 8%. Jesus. Uh, And I have to point out that it also says... Strong beer with smileys. Uh, Oh, okay. (laughs) But I thought that this one was a very apt beer for me. If you listened to the first half of our Portugal series, we talked about how Lisbon is known as the city of the seven hills. And this one is Setiem, which is French for seventh, ciel being sky, seventh sky. But it was an anniversary brew from this brewery. And it is an IPA bursting with fruity flavor and a thirst quenching acidity and expressive hops. So hopefully it'll be just as exciting as our trip to Portugal. I was going to say, mine just says that the ingredients contain natural pecan flavor. So a little less dynamic atmosphere, but let's give her a crack. Mm Interesting. That is actually really good. It's a lighter porter. Even the pecan pie-ness is a little bit on the light end. It's a little bit more in the throat than it is on the tongue. What are you feeling? What's the vibe you got? RPA. It's that a is ni- sour. It's a nice sour IPA. It's a sour IPA. Any flavor It's um, bright. It's not citrusy. It's fruity, though. At the same time, it doesn't feel like berries. I don't know. What do you think? Maybe stone fruits? Maybe that's what I'm getting from it? I do know what you mean. Maybe stone fruits? It tastes like an, a juice. Maybe pineapple? Okay, I just tried the pecan pie porter. It is definitely a lighter porter. I can definitely understand what you're saying there. Thank you. Pecan pie, very heavy off the top. It tastes like a coffee creamer. Like if you were to just drink coffee creamer that is pecan pie flavor, that's the flavor you would get right off the nose. And then you get the porter in the background. It's heavier. It's warmer it's a it's little bit more dark funny. it's funny you mentioned that i don't get a lot of it off the scent i definitely mm-hmm. get it off the tongue like not even off the tongue it's like the back of the tongue the throat more than the tip, tip of the, the tongue, tongue the, t- the lips. lips but anyway that is the beer joining us we don't have to overanalyze it maybe we should what if we did a whole episode just analyzing these two beers that's, that's a different podcast and a different episode but let's move forward with portugal number two part two part two all right andrew <clears throat> where did we leave off well we just finished in porto which is in the northwestern part of the country mm-hmm. and we then began to move back south you know spoiler alert we have to finish in lisbon because that is where we fly out of sometimes we fly in 
to a different part of the country and then the part that we fly out of, such as when we went to Vietnam. And sometimes we fly out of the same city twice, yeah. such as Thailand. Thailand. Yeah. So, Costa Rica. There's a number of places that it's easier to do that, I'll be honest. Yeah, sometimes um, it's cheaper. So in this case, we do have to end back in the kind of southwestern parts. So the first stop that we did after we finished in Porto was Coimbra. Now, mm-hmm. Coimbra is known as being a university town and not in the sense of like it's a party town, but in the sense that Coimbra has one of the oldest universities, which is absolutely gorgeous. It also has a lot of artistic culture. So there's a lot of places that we've been to in like Lisbon and Porto that have a lot of culture from maybe an architectural standpoint, maybe religion. Coimbra seems to have that artistic side, especially around music. Yeah. One of the most interesting things about Coimbra is that it is actually the original capital of Portugal. It's got the old cathedrals that were the first in the country. There are like kings that are buried in some of them and whatnot. But also, I remember them saying that there's no paperwork where Coimbra secedes the title of capital of Portugal. Mm. Now we see Lisbon as the capital of Portugal, but apparently there's no actual paperwork that says that Coimbra ever renounced that title or that it was ever taken away from them. A lot of people in Coimbra still hold true to it being the unofficial official capital, I guess it would be, or maybe Mm -hmm. official unofficial capital. It is filled with history. It is. What's interesting about it, though, is it is not a heavily touristy area as, as Lisbon has become, or even Porto for that matter. It is a gorgeous town, but it is also kind of a little bit more challenging to access, at least with the transportation system there. Yeah. But let's go. We did two days in Coimbra. I want to hit you up with a couple of quick things, get your thoughts on them. So wait a second. How did we get to Coimbra? I'm glad you asked. How did we get to Coimbra? We can just fall upon it. No. No, From Porto. What did we take, Kayla? We took a train. We took a train. I'm glad you said that because I actually couldn't remember if it was a bus or a train. Yeah, we took a train. But I assumed it was a train. We took a train and then we took an hour walk from the train station. It was a half hour walk. I watched watched Uh, the TikTok. I am the type of person who has a pretty good idea of like, oh, half hour walk, not that big of a deal. Half hour walk with all your backpacks, probably a little bit bigger of a deal. Now, the good thing for me is Kayla rarely has access to distances. So anytime she's like, Andrew, how much farther is this? I can be like, it's like maybe a kilometer. It's maybe half a kilometer. And she has no idea what that means. No, I really don't. So all in all, it did take about a half hour walk. One of the things that was nice, though, is we did move from an from inland where the train station was to more of kind of near the river. So it did get a little bit cooler and it also was just generally nicer. There was a little bit less cover. Kayla, I want you to explain to us what's the deal with our hostel. We stayed in the box hostel. Yeah. Explain a little bit about that. So basically this box hostel is what it says. All the rooms are boxes. It's a square room with no windows. No, they said it had no windows. There was a window. Oh yeah. But it, basically just open for air it wasn't like a well and it window. faced inwards and it faces inward so it's basically a hotel that is built as a self-contained unit it was really cool covered in this red carpet with weird murals everywhere and like i said these rooms were just boxes there were lights under the bed there were like two little pot lights above us but otherwise like not super well lit kind of dark but cool it felt cool it definitely like felt... we checked in and they gave us a beer cool. that that was cool they did give us a beer i and i want to get to the check-in in just a second because there was something else about it but it definitely pushed the vibe of like being cooler being more hip having like not even a nicer aesthetic but a more trendy aesthetic i guess would be the way i loved it. it i saw it, it on booking it was great and now it took some convincing to make you book it 
For sure. Because it seemed like a place to die in. I guess my question to you is, we did two-ish days, two-ish nights in there. Would you do like a week in that? I don't think I could. One of the beauties I mean, of, I slept so well. Oh my God. That is the one nice thing is there's because there's no windows, there's nothing else. It is like pitch black in there. Like you can nap in the middle of the day. And not even know the and, difference. And sleep all night. The only thing I will say though is you're in Portugal. Half of Portugal is the beauty of it. So oh, yeah. being in a, a, a windowless room kind of plays on you yeah. a little bit. So one of the cool things when we checked in there, other than getting a beer, which everybody loves, was that they had actually produced a map of the Coimbra region with recommended spots and things to do and all that kind of good stuff. And what I thought was really nice about it is they actually also had a list of things that they recommend you order that are typical here in Coimbra. Yeah. So we had actually gone to this pastellerie, this kind of like pastry shop that was just literally just around the corner. And on it, it said like, you got to order this and try this. And we did. We did not look up what we were ordering. We went to the store, asked for these specific things that was on the list in their Portuguese names. And that's what we got. I think one of them wasn't available. Yeah, one. I I was just going to say one of them wasn't available. Do you remember what they were? I feel like one of them was like this. One of them was a sandwich yeah but the bread for it is kind of like brioche but sweet yes sweet brioche bread which i ate because i think you were a bit hesitant about a sandwich i I think it just had i think we just said cheese because they said do you want cheese and meat or just cheese i ate some of it but it is a weird mix of flavors you know you get this tangy cheese and this sweet bun yeah you loved it though i absolutely love it and then there was the other thing there was this kind of it looked almost like an egg roll but it was sweet it was it was like Mm -hmm. flaky and had like the sweet i can't remember what it was i think it was kind of like the egg custard that you would be in in a pastelinata Yeah. We did a little bit of sightseeing. Mm. We did a lot of walking. I'll get to that in just a second. (laughs) We got to enjoy some pastries, but we also went to a rooftop bar. And I wanted to get your thoughts on that one. I loved this rooftop bar. It was a hike to get up there. Uh, You know, it's not just Lisbon that has the hills. It's pretty much all of Portugal is built on hills. And we had to walk up the hill to get there, which means, you know, if you're walking above the rest of the city, the view is going to be great. Amazing. And so the view from this restaurant looked out onto the water. I think we got really lucky. There was no lineup. We didn't have to wait. I had done some research and I read that the best time to go is near sunset. So that's what we tried to aim for. The bar was called Passaporte Coimbra. The inside views are just as beautiful as the outside views. Like the the building itself is stunning. I was just going to say the inside of it looked like not cathedral. It almost looked like a a castle or some kind. Beautiful floor to ceiling windows with like iron bars. It had archways and everything. Yes. And then the outside was almost like this like garden terrace that had a couple of chairs that were a little bit more facing old style buildings we ended up getting the best friends combo yeah we're besties well and i had to look it up because it was on it it was on your tiktok and i like forgotten about it so the best friends combo it came with two beers which we were going to get anyway so that worked out perfectly Mm -hmm. and then i can't remember if it was specifically what it was but we did get wings and onion rings Mm -hmm. in your tiktok you were like these were amazing onion rings and i was like Okay, good to know. Apparently, I don't rave about onion rings very often. So if especially, I said they were amazing, especially onion against rings, then... wings, like like we had wings at the same time, and you were like, "I'm sure the the onion wings, rings were, were dope." Do you remember? Yeah. When the waitress opened my beer, she said the last one I opened exploded on someone. Yes. So I'm just going to open it over here. There was something else about the waitress, and I can't remember what it was. We said that we were from Canada. She had a family member in Canada, and she was so excited that we were from Canada because she is so excited to go visit her family. That's member. what. Okay, thank and you. She had never been, but a great restaurant. Yeah. Love the view. Recommend it. Take a look. Rooftop right Pasaporte. there. Pasaporte. Pasaporte. Then we went to the restaurant in the hostel that we were staying at. Yes. 
I want to give the, the listeners a little bit of a deal on that one. My goodness. It was the weirdest restaurant I had ever been to. I didn't understand yeah. the theming. There was a giant elephant at one point. That was also they on were top playing, of a man holding it. Like it Yeah, was, they were playing videos from like old Disney movies. Yeah, it was like oh, the Wizard and the Stone maybe or something like that. Like the it was wizard, like, I'm sorry, the Wizard and the Stone. What the, the heck wizard is the, the Wizard and the what Stone? Is what is it? It's the Wizard and the something. No. I don't think there's a movie that starts with oh, the Wizard. No, was it Dumbo? It was Dumbo because they were whole elephant theme. Maybe. They Anyways, were, it was weird. They were a little strange. But anyway, they had beer. You got a pizza. You got carbonara, I think. The other thing, if you remember, was we, we got, got a bucket. bucket of beer. Yeah. So that was good. We had a bucket of beer and then we got the food. So anyway, that was just our first day. We got to get to the hostel, which we enjoyed. We got to do a little bit of sightseeing, mm-hmm. enjoyed some of the pastries. Mm-hmm. And then on top of all of that, we got to go to a couple of rooftop restaurants and yeah. bars. The second day... We actually didn't do Coimbra. No, we left Coimbra. We took a train. Yes. Down to Aveiro. Aveiro. Which, if you've never heard of Aveiro, which we hadn't until we were in Portugal. Yep. Aveiro is known to the the Portuguese locals as the Venice of Portugal. Yep. And the reason behind that is that there are a bunch of canals. And so along with the canals, they have the beautiful gondolas. It's right on the ocean. And another really cool place in Aveiro, which is kind of not Aveiro, it's the town that's right beside it, Mm. is Costa Nova. Yeah. And Costa Nova is known for their striped houses. Yeah. So if you've ever been on the East Coast here in Canada, there are certain places that are known for their brightly colored houses. And it's kind of the same thing over there. And so these houses literally are painted with stripes of all different colors, usually something in white. Yeah, it'd be like a red and white, a blue and white, something like that. I think there was black and white. Yeah, and it would alternate, but it would be like a row of houses Mm -hmm. that would have this. So So the ride to Aveiro was only about a half hour, right? It was only about a half hour. The funny thing was, if you lived in Coimbra or surrounding areas, Aveiro was like your beach town. Because there were students who literally got on with us in Coimbra who were like doing a day trip with a bunch of their buddies who were just going for beaches. So when we went to Aveiro, we got there. We We went with no expectations. We We had no idea what it was doing. We got... It was was beautiful there was part of it that almost felt I, I hate to laugh while i say this it almost felt fake like avero literally looked like somebody in the sims was like build a couple of buildings that all look the same and then add some canals between well, them and then there was like a beach and i, I think was like the, what the weirdest thing is that it did not look like coimbra no that's coimbra true. is very very old yeah and Avero felt very, very modern, new. Yeah. It was very modern. Some of the apartment buildings. It was like glass and the, buildings. And the and all shopping the center and things yeah. like that. Like all of those oh, felt I very, very, very the new. Shopping center. The yeah. shopping center was like actually like, it felt like a, a mall. It had like an outdoor perspective as well. Like mm-hmm. there was a lot going on. But we did go see some old buildings there. So we did go to one of the churches there. Yep. Unfortunately, the monastery itself is closed. I remember one of the things with both with Avero as well as Coimbra before we left was that it was a holiday. Do you remember which what it was? Yeah. It was April 25th. Yes. Yeah. I and remember that, that is Freedom Day. Right. So Freedom Day is the holiday that they celebrate to commemorate the end of the dictatorship that they were under. Yes. At the time. So the reason I bring that up is because I had made a note when we were going to go to Avero before we stopped by there when we were still in Coimbra, we stopped by this like little cafe that was on we the went side the, of this oh, cathedral. Yeah. So I had talked about like the cathedral and how one it, because it's one of the oldest in the country, one yeah. of the kings is buried there. Yes. So that's where we went for breakfast that day. Yes. And there was, there was a bunch like a of cafe, like, there was a bunch of dignitaries. The most beautiful cafe I've oh my God. ever seen. It looks like if a train station was on steroids, like one of those old train stations. With like the high ceilings, high ceilings and archways. 
archways. The beautiful, yeah. Oh, the Ugh. stone. So anyway, so we did that. So sorry, to Avero though, there was a, a number of places that were closed. Or it was a little quiet, I found. Yeah. But we found a couple of beer spots. There was that Ooh, one. we went to a British pub. We, I was going to say, we went, we went to, to a British pub. We in... went to a British pub in the middle of Avero, which I thought was cool. We had some beers there and some fries and stuff like that because we just wanted to hold we ourselves We say British over. pub, but it was actually, it was a craft beer place. Yes. But they have modeled themselves after a British pub. So. Yes. Everything on the menu is very British pubby. Right. And but the beer is from Portugal. And we and had a, a big business. dinner planned, so we didn't want to like we didn't want to like eat too much yeah. ahead. So we did fries. Like we did like minimal stuff. Yeah, we just did fries. So we did that. And then once we were done with Avero, like once we had kind of felt we had seen the the, the bulk of what we wanted stuff. to see, we took an Uber to Costa Nova, which as Kayla mentioned, is kind of like a secondary town area that is just pretty much like beach. And this is where all those stripes are. Yeah, it's almost are. like its own little island with a little causeway over to it yeah oh right yeah because the uber had to go a specific way to get there so there's a beautiful lighthouse that's there from where we get dropped off gigantic Um, and then it's literally just boardwalk so we walked along the boardwalk for quite a bit. Yeah. I watched the TikTok and I had a chuckle. We walked quite a bit that day. And they had cafes along the way. It was like way. a little beach resort. They yeah. had like beautiful little beach chairs sitting out. We had some beers. Just watched the way. It was a gorgeous waves. spot. I remember taking a video it, of that. And it was like one of the only ones that was open. Because we walked by so many that were closed. There were so many that were closed. Then there were so many that were full. And this one was like almost felt like a surf shop turned into like a, yeah, like a bar. Yeah, they had like an ice cream Yeah, parlor counter, and stuff like that. Yeah. So we ended up getting beers and we literally just chilled. I edited a bunch of TikToks, which I know I mentioned it in the last episode, but if you didn't listen to that, I did do a bunch of TikToks on our Portugal trip, our France trip, and our Germany trip. If you want to check those out, you can go and check out my TikTok, which is Kayla on the road. Before we go into dinner, because really that dinner was the the staple at the end of it. Is there anything else Costa Nova before we do that? Do you remember watching the little kids play soccer? Yes, I do. It was adorable. That was fun. Soccer or football Football. over there is a very big part of their culture. And so I just thought that was fun. It was literally like an impromptu drop-in game in a a little circle in the middle of the square where we were getting a, we got a cafe and we're just kind of like biding our time before dinner. So there was a beautiful cobblestone street that was like half pedestrian and half car. And like, honestly, I would have been so stressed out if I was a car on that road because there was no way to turn around. Like it was all one one single file. We caught an Uber at the end of the the night, and I and was like, oh, I felt bad. For I him. was like, I'm so sorry you had to come down here, and yeah. we we're like, we do this all the time. I don't think we mentioned this in the last episode, but something about Portugal and France as well. I'm sure we'll touch on this when we do our France episode. Is that in certain parts of Europe, dinner time is much later than it is over here in North America. Yeah. We're used to supper around five, six, seven. Like seven is late, whereas over in Europe, a lot of dinner restaurants don't even open until seven o'clock, which means if you're not eating until seven o'clock, chances are you're not leaving a restaurant until like eight, nine, depending on when you get there. But it also means that for us who are used to eating earlier, it's a very big shift. You know, all of a sudden the restaurants aren't open when you want to eat and things yeah. like that. We got used to eating late yeah. by the time we were in here in Avero. But that day, because we knew we wanted to get food before we headed back on the train back to Coimbra, mm-hmm. we wanted to hit up a restaurant around... 
I think it was probably like five. Yeah. It, which is very early. It's for supper. Funny That's you, basically like late lunch. It's funny you mentioned that because I literally had that as a note and you put in your TikTok where a, we had to bide our time until it was open. So we had to go to like all these like cafes and bars and just like keep drinking and hanging out until it actually opened. And then the moment it did open and we were able to go there, we were like one of two families because it was still so early for the locals to eat, but we really wanted to check this place out. So there's a well-known dish, and I don't know the name of it. I don't know if you do off the top it's of your head. It's basically like fish soup with was, rice. With rice. I had it as seafood rice literally written down. But it was this big pot. It had a bunch it was of good seafood for two in people. it. And then a bunch of rice. You would just kind of eat it as a combined and make almost like a paella. More of like a soup. But like you would yeah. have to dig through it and stuff like that. Delicious. Very so good. So we had, we had found this place that they recommended, and we ended up getting a spot there. And we I think we ordered a bottle of wine or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we had dessert. Like we, we ended up going all out on that meal because it was like really good. And I think that was the one thing we took away is like, that place, though, Averro, especially on the water near Costa Nova, was super touristy, was very expensive. Yeah. And it was like, if you want it, I'm sure you got to pay for it. could have found a place that was a little less expensive Probably. and had better food. But it's hard when you're not from there, when you don't know people there. Tourists Ooh. only recommend the places that they know of. Yeah. Locals recommend the good places. Which was easy when we were in Lisbon or Porto or even Coimbra when you could like ask someone. It was really cool though and I really liked it. It was great. I think we'd spent the perfect amount of time there. Yeah. But it was one of those weird places where I was like, I could see myself living here. Like I think it had the perfect blend of beach, old, new. Yeah. I don't think I would go back. And I'm not saying that like I didn't like it, but I just mean like in terms of new. There's not much to see. There's not much more. We saw it. We saw it there. So I wanted to kind of just fast forward, not a lot, but like fast forward. We did that. We went back to Coimbra. Mm -hmm. The second day in Coimbra, we did a couple of things that I want to touch upon. The first thing I want to talk about is the Coimbra University. Oh, yes. We love the university. So one of the notes that you had made in your TikTok was like, we didn't do a tour. We just, we knew we wanted to see Coimbra University. Yeah. And it was like a school day. Like we didn't just go. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. We looked like students going between classes. It was rainy. So we had our umbrellas out and whatnot. And we were walking around the campus. And for the most part, at the beginning of the day, it was pretty quiet. And then we must have hit lunch rush or something because the courtyard was filled. Yeah. It felt like so many people everywhere. It felt like our university at UNB because there was a quad areas and you would like find these different buildings. And what was interesting I found is like where we went to university, I think it's considered the oldest university in Canada or North America. I think it's Canada. I think it's yeah, the oldest English speaking university in Canada. And we rarely get tourists who just come to see it. Like in the summer, you might get that. It's beautiful. It's It's gorgeous. Don't Don't, get me wrong. That's one of the reasons why I loved it so much. But the the reason I say that is because when we were, we, we were there, we weren't the only tourists. Like there were students and there was like probably like, dozens of tourists and groups who were just walking in between these groups being like don't mind me just checking out your buildings and it was like a very different vibe yeah the only thing that was kind of shitty about going when we did is that there was construction going on in the university building itself i thought it was really funny because there was a bunch of scaffolding up yeah and to hide the scaffolding they had actually made giant pictures of the buildings on this canvas and then hung that from the scaffolding so you're looking at these pictures of what is theoretically behind the scaffolding yeah it was so cool it was on a little bit of a hill so there's a little bit of walking going on but overall it was a it was a blast and it was super cool so we did that yeah oh and then the freaking stairs to get down from there yeah where we were we took kind of like a back route to get out of the campus and there was these like steep stairs so steep you and your tiktok were literally like 
I was trying to enjoy them and the whole time I was worried I was going to fall. Yeah, and I was one like, of my biggest fears, I swear. I was like, that is so accurate. Because the view from the stairs is beautiful, but I can't look out when I'm trying to look down to make sure my feet are going on the steps. Honestly, we did a lot of walking that day because we wanted to do sightseeing of a lot of cool buildings, which yep. honestly, if you're in Coimbra, please look up their cool, like, cathedrals and like historical buildings. We went to one of the old residence buildings, the yeah. turtle building. Yeah. There was also a lot of buildings in Coimbra that used to be important churches that had like flooded or that had like been destroyed over time that they rebuilt. Like there was honestly, we could do a whole podcast on like oh, individual yeah. That's buildings. The thing. Like the first part of our days were spent on one side of the river. There's a whole other side of the river that has so much history and culture and whatnot. We went yeah. to things and there were a lot of things that weren't open but it's just really cool to see yeah history man so the other thing i was going to talk about was kula bula which kula bula collab so it was like a beer shop they had a bar they also had a hairdressing place and a co-working space and a shop it was literally at this building in the corner of a little square and we sat outside and drank some beer but it was a very weird group of businesses in the same building it was almost like a rental space where different groups are rented in the main section was this like retro beer place yeah, it was very like rockabilly so overall super great mm-hmm. so that was one place the last thing i want to talk about real quick about coimbra was the acapella the faro basically what it is is like musical poetry sung as a serenade or like a love song and Coimbra is known for it specifically in this capacity because you would have young students singing outside of buildings mm. to their loved ones and whatnot it's very simple it's a very simple style of music yeah. it's usually a guitar anyway, and singing it's almost like an operatic style of singing that fits well inside of small cathedrals and stuff oh. like that but the one that we got to see was in this very small church mm-hmm. with two guitar players and a singer yeah, it was very small, but the acoustics in it were absolutely amazing. amazing. And our ticket included a drink. We had a welcome drink. So we ended up getting some sparkling wine. Yeah. And then we ended up buying some food and some drink as well. But one of the most interesting things about this photo was they have so many sing-alongs and things like that, like very like call and response songs and just a really cool way of serenading. It focused a lot on the romantic style of music, but the way that they presented it was almost an educational perspective. Mm-hmm. Like it was really explaining the history of it. The nice thing too that we got was the gentleman who spoke, spoke both Portuguese and English. Yeah. So that was also one of the things that we had to book in advance because it yes. was so limited when it came to seating. So if you are interested in doing a photo in Coimbra, make sure to book in advance at least two days. I think we yeah. booked it the day we showed up. So moving on, because there's a couple of places I want to hit on. Yeah. So after this, we left and we went to Nazare. We talked earlier earlier about Costa Nova being a beach town. This is like a beach city. It is the city in the world with some of the largest recorded waves. Supposedly, there are documentaries on Netflix, if you want, that talk about surfers who actually surf those waves because it's known as being some of the highest like ones. Like as tall as buildings. Yeah. So, Gigantic. So when we, we were, were there right before that season. Right. The so season that, the season that they do is usually... July? It was December, January. So it was around... Oh, okay. We weren't even close. No, then. no. We, we came after the season. We came after the season because we had arrived about April time and it had just passed. It might have been into February, but I remember vividly there was a banner that was like December, January tournament of whatever kind of yeah. thing. Can you imagine how cold it would be to surf in November? Well, it's probably there? still hot because it is a coastal town, but yeah, you're right. It's it's still probably chilly. But I mean, like we were wearing sweaters the whole time in April. Yes. 
It was not a let's go swimming vibe. It was like, let's dip our feet in and we're good. Yeah. So I was looking through your TikToks again to kind of get a, mm-hmm. a vibe of it. There's a couple things I want to hit you with. So the first night, if you remember, we went to an Irish pub. Yeah. And we met some American couple from California. I think they're California. Yeah. And they were definitely rich. 100% rich. But they were very nice. We just talked. I, did we give them the impression that we made more money than we do? I don't know. But we definitely just talked. We just shot the shit with yeah, them. Yeah, we said that we were from Canada. And they were one reti- of them had I spent them a lot of retired. time in Vancouver and yeah. things like that. So it was just kind of cool to talk with more tourists. I well, guess we have those faces that I say like, also, hey, talk to us, please. I also find it interesting because... W- Earlier on in episode one, we talk about a couple of tourists we met that were both, some were American, some were British, and they were young. They were probably 20s or 30-year-old. This couple was probably at least 50. A, I think they were maybe slightly intoxicated, so they would talk to anybody. But B, they were just happy to talk to other people who were we traveling and were English. So I remember we did the ice pub. We got to watch they the... They were cool. We, the got end. To, we got to watch the sunset. We did. We beautiful. actually did a successful time lapse there yes. versus our unsuccessful time lapse when we were in <laughs> Abu Farah, where my camera just shut down on on me so there's a couple things i want to hit you with okay hit me so hit me with your best shot we only did maybe two days in nazare and mm-hmm. we had planned this ahead originally we weren't sure That's if we were going to do one or I, two i feel like i would have done more time there i could have done more time if i was looking i think albufera provided that where it was like the a beach a more yeah. warm place i think nazare if you'd gone in a warmer season might have done okay. that i have three things to hit you with okay one, the Wi-Fi map app. That's Wi-Fi where you map first app. That's where I first downloaded it. So hit me. With yes. That. It has proven very useful to me as someone who needs Wi-Fi when they are doing work. And yes, I can work from the road, but I need to be able to download things and upload things. And so the Wi-Fi map app, I think I pay $10 a year for yeah, it. Yeah, you got an annual. Something but, sweet like that. Yeah. But basically, people can go and post Wi-Fi networks in your area. They can post the passwords for it and they can do speed checks and post how fast the Wi-Fi is at those locations so that you can see, is it worth your time? Is it worth going to? And I downloaded it when we were in Nazare because the, the Wi-Fi at our ho- was hostel was atrocious. brutal. Yep. I don't know if I've ever really explained this on the podcast, but I do video editing for a living. And what that entails is downloading large files off the internet and then uploading large files back to the internet. So I'm downloading files that could be anywhere between 200 megabytes to three gigs. Yeah. And when I'm re-uploading, it's something, it it could be as big as eight gigs. Yeah, a couple gigs. And so when you are on a Wi-Fi network that is, you know. Trash. Yeah. (laughs) You know, five megabytes per second. When you do the math on that, that's a really long time. Yeah. So... Andrew and I here at home, we have something like a 100 upload, 100 download. Something like that. It's really good. So the maximum my files ever take is like five minutes. But on the road, sometimes it can take up to three hours for me to upload a video for a client. So long story short, download the Wi-Fi map and found that there was a Wi-Fi spot just down the road from our hostel, which was about what Andrew and I have here at home. So it should only take about five, 10 minutes. Yeah. I think it ended up going in and out. It was, yeah, and we were a little... It, it, it a, took maybe 20 minutes. I think minutes, the restaurant but, was closed, but their Wi-Fi was still accessible. Yeah, so we so, sat across from yeah, the we, restaurant on a bench yeah. looking out of the beach. It was beautiful. It was it's a great gorgeous. morning. Yeah. I was going to say, that's the only downside of like working, obviously, is like we mm-hmm. do have to get access to internet. So sometimes yeah. it is a struggle when we don't know ahead of time. If if you are someone who relies on the internet, one of the best things when you are booking your places to stay mm-hmm. is if you're 
booking an Airbnb, try to ask about the Wi-Fi speed. Yeah. Ask them to run a speed test and ask them to send you a screenshot with that information. And if you're booking a hostel, try to look through the reviews or ask questions about what the speed might be if you are heavily reliant on that the way that I am. Yeah. So there was that I want to talk about. Two other quick things. So one is, as I mentioned in last podcast, if you listen to part one of, of this Portugal trip, I talked about me training for a 5K that was happening in May. I went for a run in Nazare while Kayla was working one day and I actually ran a 5k and I felt so good about it because it was like swelteringly hot. It was again a beach town. So like you felt mm-hmm. it. And it was one of those things where I had been training and kind of referencing one or two people who had like helped me and gave me like tips and stuff. And one of the things they said is like, oh, when you run outside instead of like on a treadmill, the best part is like you get to look at stuff. And I had never gotten that because when I usually did trails, I was like, it's just trees, it's boring, it's whatever. But running in Nazareth, I was like, all the same. Yeah, but running in Nazareth, I was like, holy shit, this is gorgeous. And it kept me busy for like the 30, 40 minutes that it took to run the 5K that I was like, I can do this. So anyway, I was running the 5K maybe like two, three weeks after this trip, Mm -hmm. after this exact moment. And I was like, okay, I can still do it. Like, this is a great boost. Yeah. Just for anyone who has no idea, topographically, Mm -hmm. Nazareth, it's kind of a weird cliffside split. So you've got like the beach which is at one elevation and it's very flat. I was just going to bring this up. So there is a flat area, which is where we were staying and where I ran and where we went to things. And then you got the funicular. The funicular that takes you to the upper area. So that's the last thing. I want you to take us through two things with the funicular. Okay. There's the swing view, if you Mm -hmm. know what I'm talking about. And then there's the wind walk. I hate to admit it, but sometimes I am that Instagram bitch. I am that person that wants to take the aesthetic photos on the edge of the mountain, swinging from a swing. And Nazareth has one of those swings. You take the funicular up the hill, and then you have to kind of walk down a little bit of a slope. You get to this swing area, and it's this beautiful arched out swing. You know, if you are sitting on the swing facing the ocean, the view is like this perfect picture of these terracotta roofs, this ocean view, and you on the swing. And so obviously I had to do that and loved it every minute of it. The next thing we did was actually we went to a tiny little kind of like a it wasn't a gravesite. It was like a little chapel. So there was a small one. And then there was the other church that had the statue or was supposed to have the statue of the depiction of Black Madonna. But when we went there, the statue had actually been sent to Lisbon for preservation, restorations of sorts. So it wasn't there. Yeah. So this statue is actually one of the few originals of the Black Madonna. So for those of you who aren't history people or not Christian folk, the name Nazareth is derived from the small statue of the Virgin Mary. So like we said, the the Black Madonna, the Virgin Mary, that was said to be brought by a monk from Spain, from Nazareth, like the actual town of Nazareth, Jesus's birth in the fourth century. So it was brought to Portugal by a monk called Romano. And again, if anyone, uh, not to get into a history lesson, the Black Madonna, it is it of itself is the Virgin Mary in a darker skin tone. One of the reasons for that is it depicts one of the earlier imageries of her, as well as some of the cultures of both African and Middle Eastern, where obviously would have happened in Jerusalem and Nazareth. Yeah. So when Andrew mentioned the small chapel, that is where the monk who brought the statue 
lived. And he arrived in Nazareth. He came with another man who I believe was one of the kings of somewhere. And they kind of became hermits. They stayed in this grotto and they kind of like kept themselves in there. Anyways, the monk past was buried there. In 1182, the Portuguese knight Dom Fuas Rufino was hunting deer in a very foggy day and almost rode off the cliff, but was saved after praying to the statue that is buried near that monk. And so to commemorate that miracle of him being saved on this cliffside, because Nazareth is built on a giant cliff, he built this chapel, which was the first church in the area. Interesting. So that's the old church, and yep. it was tiny, tiny, tiny. And then they built the new church. Gotcha. That explains just it. a little ways, little ways off, and that houses the Black Madonna, the statue, which is the Black Madonna, which they call Our Lady of Nazareth. Yes. Fun facts. A little bit of history with history. Everything. So the uh, last thing I want to quickly talk about, as I kind of mentioned, wind walk was the wind walk. So there's a this. Is pack. it actually called the wind walk? No, that's what I named it. So it's now known as that. There's this walk, this path, if you will, that goes from the main upper area of Nazareth to a kind of like a lighthouse lookout area. So it was so windy, so windy. And we'd gone obviously in off season. So I can only imagine when it is wave season, what that would be like. But when we were literally walking down this path, if I weighed any less than I do and I weigh over 200 pounds, mm. I would have been afraid that well, I would going to be blown away. To me, the concern was not us, was literally anything on us. I was like, do we have any loose items yeah. that are about to blow away? Like anytime somebody Purses, walked by with hats, a hat, like, I was like, yeah. why? Why are you doing this to yourself? I remember you were trying to videotape or record this and it was just wind. Just tunnel. whipping everywhere. Didn't matter. No. So anyway, so we did that and then we had to walk back. So anyway, cool. to wrap it's that cool. up, I want to move to our next spot, which you are aware of, which is Sintra. Yes. So we left Nazareth. We had to actually take a bus uh, back to Lisbon, at which point we then took a train to Sintra. We were on the fence about Sintra in terms of A, was it worth it? B, do we just go for a day trip? Yeah. And we ended up going for a full day, staying the night, and then doing kind of like a half day before returning back. Yeah. So both Avero and Sintra were kind of things that we decided on while we were actually in Portugal. For the rest of our trip, we had kind of planned ahead. We booked our hostels ahead and whatnot. So when it came to anywhere that was around Aveiro or Sintra, we had to kind of bump our days back and forth here and there just to accommodate that. So we did decide to do one night in Sintra. And because we were going to do a night there, we thought, why not leave Coimbra as early as possible in the morning to get there to Sintra as early as possible in the day, check into our hotel or put our bags into storage before we can check into our room and then explore Sintra for half a day, stay the night and do more the next morning before going back to Lisbon. So that's what we decided to do. So we got there and by the time we got there, our room was actually ready for us. So we were able to check in right away, which was great. We stayed in a little hostel. It was supposed to be like a 20 minute walk and and we're like, yeah, 20 minutes, no problem. But at the same time, like... It's Portugal. It's, it's all hills. It's all hills. All it's all hills, hills, baby. So the walk was one of the worst walks I've ever done with a backpack hills. on. Yeah. It was pretty much all hills. 
I was so sweaty by the time we checked in. I'm pretty sure the lady was like, who the heck am I renting this room to? Well, it was also like, it was like a B and B. It was a, yeah, it was a B and B. It was also like really a nice spot. It was really cute. I was yeah. like, we don't look good enough to be staying I, here. I was like, Hey, do you mind? Like, anyways, we ended up obviously getting in. We and did do didn't a, have air conditioning. They did, no, a lot of places. They had didn't. like a fan. A lot of places didn't. We did do two things. I want to mention on the first day. Yeah. We hit up the pub, the yeah. brewery Villa craft. Yes. Thoughts? So we had passed Villa Craft on the way to our hostel. So we knew where it was, which yep. was kind of nice. So we knew exactly where we were going when we went back to it. But Villa Craft was a pretty much a, a small craft brewery in Sintra, one of the only ones. And not only did they have craft beer, but they also had like bread, like fresh bread. It was oh, basically so like good. a crusty roll. We- but but it was almost like it was almost like you were getting like a flatbread, like a pizza, because you could order a type of bread and yeah, it, they would but put it was, stuff it on it. It was like and- rolled. Yes. And the and the stuff was in the middle. Yeah. Anyways, I had some work to do and the Wi Fi at the hotel sucked. Yeah. And so this one was actually I, pretty decent. Yeah. Went down to Villa Craft and did some work, did some downloads, did some uploads, got a lot of work done. It was great. I think we got also a, a we got flight. A flight. Yeah. We got some so they, flights. So they're, and they're also super cool. The people that were working there were like really nice. Music and, fans. Yeah. Well, they would at, talk but also to us. like craft beer heads. Like yeah. they were talking about how their friend had opened this craft beer place and this craft beer place and they used the hops from these places. Like it was just really cool to like sit in and kind of listen. Listen to the vibe. Yeah. Yeah. So we did that. And then there was one place we visited the first day, which is Quinta de la Regulara. Yeah. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. The so, Quinta. So this one was creepy AF. Yeah. But also really, really cool. Yes. I do recommend looking it up. Long story short, it was this like eccentric rich. Billionaire. But they build these grounds that had this very eccentric areas. And it wasn't just like, oh, we have ponds and waterfalls. It was no. like they have grottos, grottos. And, and like caves. And waterfalls. Then, and waterfalls and ponds. So the main building in and of itself was like this Here's gorgeous mansion. The big thing that is like the Masin Center, though, is the initiation well. Yeah. So basically, it's like a giant staircase that yeah. goes down and down and down and down well, and down and, and, and down and, and down. And there's, there's like probably about two stories. More than guess. that. You think it's more than two stories yeah. by the end? Well, and the reason I say that is because there is a couple of symbolisms in it. Mm-hmm. So one of the n- noticeable symbolisms is there's the all-seeing eye, which is a known for like the Illuminati. The second thing is that there is like, I, there's not Windows distinct the sides. There's not distinct levels, but there's like a distinct, almost like depiction. And but people believe that it's supposed to depict the seven levels of Dante's Inferno. Ah, so the seven okay. levels of hell. There's like a lot of things that you look at and you're like, this is very dark and yeah. creepy. It was so cool though. I it really was liked super it. cool. So the long story short, from a history perspective, built by a, a millionaire billionaire guy who was very eccentric. Not really sure what happened on those grounds. It was then bought by like this like company. I can't remember who it was because it went up for sale, and there was this Japanese company I think who bought it, mm-hmm. and then they ended up giving it back to the city of Sintra, who yeah. then just made it like this into like a historical site, a historical basically. site, which they then use for like tourism purposes. So. They've maintained it. They kept it. It's gorgeous. It's creepy. I definitely recommend it. It is a little bit of walking, not as much as other places, but it's definitely cool. We walked to get there, which probably also didn't help. 100% because it's all um, like hills and twisting. It's a giant hill to get up there. The grounds itself is gigantic. Yeah. So th- we did that the first day. The second day, we saw two other places. 
So we saw the Pina Palace. This is one of the palaces. And the reason I say that is because I think there's like a new palace, which is a little less eccentric. And this one was like gorgeous in terms of colors. And it was beautiful, like yellows and vibrant oranges and all these colors. Reds and blues. Yeah. And green. And the grounds. Expansive. They were expansive. And there was all these, I was going to say the other thing with that is there was these ponds that had like all these animals, like yeah. ducks and stuff so like that. So we bought a timed ticket for that one. Yeah. And so what that meant with the timed ticket is we had to be at the palace by a certain time but what you don't realize if you are going and you are planning a trip to Pinna Palace the time on your ticket is not the time that you need to get to the front gate it is the time you need to get to the castle in the middle of the park right which if you are walking is something like a 20 minute 30 minute walk so, so build that early. in yep. or they do have a ticket that includes a bus which in that case saves yourself you maybe 10 like minutes. 20 minutes or yeah, something like that build I think yourself 10 minutes into the ticket time so we saw the painted palace gorgeous definitely recommend it the last place that i wanted to mention and i think i'm pronouncing this right is the castle of the moors if you want a mental imagery of it just imagine these large stone walls that protect a fortress that are meant to be defensive because sintra being a coastal town the castle of the moors is situated on a hill that oversees the water. Literally, I think it's like the highest point. R- right. They chose the highest point for that defensive purpose. And it has this history about like, there was like French, there was Dutch, Arabic. there was Arabic. Like there's all of these different groups yeah. who had either tried to conquer it, who did conquer it, who whatever. So it's got a it. bunch of different cool influences all yeah. built into it. It's a beautiful spot. The view from it is great. Yeah. It is not wheelchair accessible. Like, don't, Oh God, no. It, you need to be able to walk upstairs. The kill's point though about all the influences was there's a lot of remodels that have been happened mm-hmm. to it. And the reason because is like all these battles. So whenever they, whenever it got lost from like Arabic to French, parts of it had gotten destroyed so they had to rebuild it i think one of the cool things about that is that it also carries so much history in how it's designed because every time it was rebuilt it was built with those techniques in mind from like wherever they came from what are the techniques that they're using or whatever stone was yeah what stone is available at that time do you remember what happened after that i don't think I we tried to get an uber okay for so long we put in an uber request Mm-hmm. and it didn't come and it didn't come and it didn't come and no one would accept our uber request and so we had to walk back to our hotel it was like an hour and a half walk and the thing that sucked the most is that we had walked past the exit to get back up to the road to try and get the uber so it was like a half hour walk back yeah. up to the road and then we had to go back down to go back down and so we ended up walking it and we ended up doing a bunch, bunch of, of steps, steps that day and then that wasn't even the end of the day no We went to Lisbon? Yeah. We grabbed our bags, headed to the train station, took the train to Lisbon. We checked into the Moxie Hotel, and the Moxie Hotel is way too cool for us, just saying. Yeah. It's a Marriott hotel, so we had like points and stuff like that. And And gift cards. Gift cards. So we wanted to do that. So that's what we did. We checked in, and then we went to the mall. Yeah. Got some KFC. For some reason, we were like, let's do some KFC. It was subpar. Not great. Throughout our travels... We sometimes will hit up fast food joints. There's a couple of times when we have done like Burger King. We almost always try to find like a McDonald's because it's fairly universal. And the reason why I say this is because we don't go to McDonald's and then say, let's get a Big Mac. We always go to like McDonald's and then we say like, what is something we can get here that we can't get anywhere else? And a lot of Europe is like, you can actually get beer at McDonald's. They have these like cool different burgers. So we'll try to do something fun that is still a little bit within our comfort zone, but whatever. 
And the reason why I say this is because in reviewing this trip before we we did this podcast, I was going through Kayla's TikToks and there's all these comments being like, oh my God, you're in Portugal with all these Portuguese foods and you're eating KFC. And it's like, we have been here for three weeks. We have literally been eating Portuguese food the whole time. We are spending one meal going to KFC. I felt defensive about it because I was like, we're not not enjoying the culinary experience that comes with the culture that we are in. But we're also recognizing that KFC has its own cultural place or any fast food place has its own cultural place within your community. So we don't go to these places being like, oh my God, I just want a Big Mac. We try to like find something unique that we still get to enjoy. I think one of the big things to point out around that is that there are a lot of travelers who travel and are on a budget. And something like a fast food place like McDonald's or KFC is a good, easy, budget-friendly option. True. We are not those people. Yeah. We actually just enjoy seeing what those fast food places have to offer in different countries. We're not trying to spit on the Portuguese culture by not eating the Portuguese food every day. But at the same time, too, when we live in Canada, we're not eating Canadian food every day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, What is Canadian food? I think that... Uh, I know, Kayla. It's just poutine and beaver tails. Uh, see, and I would eat that every day. I agree, agreed, agreed. And then we went to... The Oceanarium. We got there around, I want to say six o'clock. And we originally thought it closed at seven. In fact, yeah. it closed at eight. So we ended up we having had t- so much time. We had way more time than we thought. Mm-hmm. But I have to ask you about the temporary exhibit that was there. The temporary exhibit. Yes. Was amazing. Agreed. It was such a Zen space. Explain it to our listeners what it, it is. It was basically about underwater forests. It yeah, hundred percent. So first off, there was this video that explained and literally showed them building this, which was in and of itself a massive undertaking. Oh yeah, the amount of water that is. I mean, well, the any, whole thing, any aquarium, like the whole the thing of water. was built. But the second thing was but it took them like a, a year to assemble. The it, basically. second thing was this learning about like what is vegetation to sea life and everything like that, and it kind of spoke about the differences. The reason why this I think struck a, a chord with us was because in the Toronto one. There was this whole section around the coral reefs and the mm-hmm. fact that they like preserve a coral reef that's there, but it's not easy to, for coral reefs to survive in the current setting, like out in the wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you listen to episode one, we talked about sea life, which was a little bit more family focused. While I'm not saying this one wasn't, it definitely had a little bit more to it. There this was, one was more like, hey, let's watch some ocean life right there were ocean birds who had this like open yeah kind of aviary so this is one of the things that i didn't realize the difference between an aquarium and an oceanarium aquarium is all water-based things oceanarium revolves around the oceans and the ocean and sea life around those right those things so they actually had sections for each different ocean and vegetation and animals from each of those different ecosystems which was really cool to see but then they also had this giant tank in the middle of the exhibit but we ended up seeing a lot of birds we saw otters oh, oh the my otters god they were so adorable so adorable yeah it was a great time we got to really enjoy it the other thing that you noted in your tiktok which i want to bring back up is one of the biggest things for the oceanarium was a focus on the environment and i was gonna say sustainability conservation it it talked about plastics in the ocean and they didn't have any turtles which i was a little sad about sad but they do donate a lot of money to help with turtle conservation in different parts portugal as well as different parts of europe and also south america great definitely recommend it it was a beautiful walk to the place Mm -hmm. a beautiful experience as well yeah 
we hit up two breweries that evening that I did want to call out. AMO. AMO, which is Canadian created, Canadian mm-hmm. owned. Yeah, um, Canadian woman. Yeah, two notches there. I don't want to say it's a hole in the wall, but it's kind of a also, hole in the wall. I love AMO because if we were to ever hyphenate our last name, you would be AMO. Yes. We're not hyphenating our last name, but no. just fun fact. If we did. But I say hole in the wall because it was very small, the building itself and the, the location, but it was all road seating. Like it was all in this like yeah. small, like one way street where there was all these like picnic tables. The bartender tables. was so the, nice. The bartender was super was nice so great. and was just like chill and was like, what are you guys interested in? Like, they also me, offered water. Help. Yeah. <laughs> like, they had, like tap water was for us nice. to drink. Rather than like spending money, whatever. So anyway, great place. So that was stop number, number one. Stop number one. Stop number two. This was kind of like a surprise because we didn't plan on doing it. And then I don't know why we left AMO early, but we're like, let's go to another place. Th- so we went to the second location of Canil. So yes. we went to Canil on our very first day in Lisbon. Yep. And then we decided to do it again. But it was a different location. It was a different location. So now, this what, one was like the steakhouse. This was like a steakhouse and chicken Yeah, it was, place whole, it was a whole, it was a restaurant more than like a pub. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that was super cool that we had never experienced before was the self-pour. Yeah. So you actually would get a card and you would put currency, like money on it, obviously. And then you would scan it and then you would pick the tap that you wanted and you would pour your own drink and depending on how much that you would pour it would deduct money so you could say oh i want the stout you could pour it as much as you wanted and it would deduct it so you could say i want a taster i will just do a little bit oh i want a full glass let's yeah. fill it all the way so that it was, was kind of great cool. it was such a good way to taste so many beers in such a short time short time and you could also get away with doing a taster and be like no i don't want any I don't more want of that this one. yeah or oh my god i want yes fill a i glass. want that whole yeah yeah so no, anyway, it was great. I love that place. I mentioned this in episode one. We were recommended to go see the Bellum Tower, mm-hmm. which is on the waterfront in kind of the southwestern part of Lisbon. Yeah. So that one was a little bit extensive because we had to take a couple of trains and a st- maybe a streetcar. Took a streetcar, took some subway. Yeah. And we ended up buses we ended up well the last thing we took was a streetcar and i remember this because you were like oh look a market and we got off a stop early early. so we walked it a little flea market it was a little flea market it had a little bit of everything we also came across a food truck that served poutine which we were like oh shit we're canadian we got to do this and it was the last day it felt apt yeah what do you think of the poutine it was poutine i didn't really give a shit like it was amazing i know there are some like poutine purists out there who are like poutine is not poutine unless it's made with cheese curds i don't give a shit i don't i don't really care this was we hadn't had i'm sorry i'm sorry for anyone who's listening we hadn't had a good like fries and gravy like like good fries don't get me wrong and that gravy on the francesina but the, that was a beer sauce gravy. Like, that was different. This but was yeah, like an this actual, was like actual like, poutine. poutine gravy. And then they had cheese on it. Anyway, it was amazing. It was, it was shredded. Fantastic. I mean, I make shredded cheese poutines here all I'll the time. I'll take anything. It was amazing. Just give me cheese and fries and gravy. So we That's did. We did that. We ended up getting the Bellum Don't Tower. Don't give me cheese sauce. I want actual cheese. No, never do cheese it, sauce. That's the thing. I, I think if cheese someone, sauce, I'll draw if someone the line. tried to call a poutine with gravy, cheese sauce, and fries, get I would, out of here. No. No. It has to have at least cheese. So we got to Bellum Tower, which I recommend going. It's, it's actually very beautiful. It's super cool. It almost acts as a gateway to the canal or to the river yeah. that is Portugal. Specifically it was Lisbon. closed, so they weren't even doing tours that day that we no. went because it was May Day. Yes, it was May Day, which was May 1st, which For is... For anyone who doesn't know. Right, because it is a very European thing. Yeah. It is present in North America. It's just not as celebrated as much. It's almost the equivalency of a Labor Day in the sense that it's focused on the worker 
and giving the workers break. It's very union focused. So obviously a lot of things were closed. Mm -hmm. So we got to go to Bellum Tower. We didn't get to go inside, but even being outside was gorgeous. Yeah, even the grounds around it were really nice. We got to listen to some live music. As Kayla mentioned earlier, there was like a market. So we got to do all that. Then we went to Time Out Market. Yeah. For one of our last meals, there was this market that was on the waterfront that we had gone to. With Alex. With Alex. In the... First episode, the first we episode talked about it really, 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 really briefly. We talked about how we sat outside, but when we were on that last day, we actually went into Timeout Market and decided to grab some food, and it was wild. There was almost no spots, and it was one of those things where you had to go to one of the restaurants, order your food, get your food, and then hope to God you could find a seat. Just like stand around waiting for someone else to stand up. Which, yeah, literally anytime someone would be almost done a meal, you'd be like, I'm going to wait until they're done. You went to get burgers and I managed to find us a spot and just like spread out as big as I could to cover two seats. So I got myself a ground burger because I don't think you were vibing it. I wasn't super hungry. No. After that poutine. Yeah. So I got the ground burger and I got like a chili one, I think. Mm -hmm. So it was so good. I got a donut. It was a crushed donut, I think is what they're called. So good. It was a massive donut. Was it strawberry or something? I can't remember what it was. It was peanut butter chocolate. Peanut butter chocolate. But the donuts were literally as big as your palm. Yeah. Like if you spread out your fingers and imagine a donut fitting. Your full hand. Your full hand. That's how big the donut was. Anyway, so we did that. Then the last thing we did was we were going to go see a football match. Yeah. But before we did that on our way there, we ended up coming across a May Day event in a park. Yeah, that was really cool. I really didn't know much about May Day. And I know there weren't a ton of informational things around when we went to this May Day event. But we ended up grabbing a couple beers, sitting around, listening to people talk. Music. Music. So the way that... a really cool outside festival is what it felt like. Yeah, it was an open park, obviously. And what happened were a bunch of unions had their own stalls. So you could actually go and buy beer or snacks or whatever from these stalls. And the money went towards these unions, but it was meant to be like a celebration for the workers and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. as well as like a fundraising opportunity. So to Kale's point, there was music, there was like activities, there was stuff for the kids. Yeah, exactly. So Kids playing swaka. So we got to enjoy all of that. And then we made our way to the football stadium. Yeah. Fun fact, they don't serve alcohol at their football. Football stadiums. It is not common practice in a lot of European places to serve alcohol or at least to serve alcohol while being seated. So mm-hmm. I'd spoken to some of the co- my coworkers in the UK and you can drink alcohol, but you cannot drink alcohol in your seats. It's They'd a perception over-consumption thing. It's and- overconsumption. It's also a perception thing. Like it is a very, I don't want to say it's a gentleman's sport, but it's, it's meant to be very proper. Right. We went early in anticipation of like getting a drink, sitting down having a drink yeah. before the match started. Yeah. Did not happen. No. We had coffee. We It was so cold. We almost bought alcohol only to realize it was 0%. It was non-alcoholic yeah. alcohol because they had, I don't know if it was Bach or what, yeah, but they had cans Bach. of it. But it was just so much fun. It was definitely a highlight of the trip. I had never been to a live football, so- football soccer, soccer game. match. Yeah. And it was one of my favorite sports growing up. Like, I understand the sport. Well, that's the best part about it is globally it's easy to comprehend. Yeah. But it was just really cool to be a part of the group. Yeah. And learn their cheers and do the cheers Uh, with them. The Europeans are the best at chants. They're so good at it. Because Americans are just, like, so boring. But anyway... So that was our last night. We got to enjoy the event. so great. We went back to the hotel, the Moxie. 
We stayed there for the night. The next day, we caught our plane, and the rest is history. I think we went home. We went home. We're not going to bore you with the details of it. It was fairly smooth sailing. Mm-hmm. We made it home. It was a long travel day, but again, fortunately, because of going Europe to Canada, you go back in time, so to speak. Yeah. So it wasn't as bad as going there where we had to literally lose a day or go overnight. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it, it was worth it. So before we wrap, favorite moment, favorite city. Some, Ooh, what's, that's uh, so fav- hard. I know. It doesn't have to be your favorite. What was one thing you want to call out about Portugal? I loved Lisbon. Like we literally booked this trip mm-hmm. because... When we looked on the travel sites, it was the cheapest. That is literally why we chose Portugal. Like we rave about Thailand and Vietnam. We love those places. But you said it. Portugal topped your list. Yeah, probably. At least Lisbon. At least Lisbon, you know, to that point in terms of saying like, I want to have everything. You want a a city that's well connected, that has art, that has culture, that has activities. Like Lisbon has that. And I found that not every other place did. I mean, like the country was great. The people were great. Yeah, I would love to learn the language. I know Portuguese is very hard. I was going to say, we're uh, learning Spanish and not to offend anyone because I recognize they're very different. But it's one of those things where it's like we're trying to learn Spanish so much that it's like I don't want to learn Portuguese for the couple of countries that speak it. To be frank, where we're from, Spanish is a lot more prevalent. But it would be great to be able to at least speak some Portuguese and to be able to communicate. To go back. When we go back, yeah. Yeah. That would be one that I would be more than happy to bring kids to. Agreed. 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 Very much so. So, yeah. I I just really... I loved it. What do you think? Yes. Agreed. The one thing that I'll always remember is we got our wedding tattoos in Porto. So, we always have that callback, you know, to Portugal. I was going to say, if you didn't listen to episode one, uh, that's where all the details are. uh, Please do. Why would you listen to episode two without episode one? But anyway. I don't know. But a lot of people listen to episode two of Vietnam. It was where we did the juicy stuff. Um, Um, So, take a look at that. Yeah. Okay. So, let's do a quick recap. Yeah. Before we finish off, yeah. what was our itinerary for sure. Portugal? We landed in Lisbon. We spent about three days in Lisbon. We took a train to Abu Fera. We then took an Uber to Faro, which is very close to Abu Fera, and then flew to Porto for about another three or four days where we spent time in Porto. From Porto, we took a train to Coimbra, where technically we spent about three days because we did do two days in Coimbra and one in Aveiro. From Coimbra, we took a bus to Nazaré, which we spent another two days there. We then took a bus back to Lisbon, at which point we took a train immediately to Sintra, where we spent about a day, day and a half. And then we spent another day and a half to two days in Lisbon. All in all, it was about a 20-day trip between all of the travel days and every, you know, lost hours because of time zones as about three weeks. So again, very doable. If you're looking for a cost-efficient place somewhere in Europe, I definitely recommend Portugal. Anyway, I want to just wrap real quick by saying thank you so much for listening. If you have listened to part one and part two of our Portugal trip, I do appreciate it. We absolutely loved it i don't think it's our last time in portugal no not um, at all not at all and i thank you for following along i recognize that we are probably about six months late on talking about it but as you'll see in our coming episodes we also had some trips to france and germany so we've been a little bit busy we've been spending a little bit of time in europe 
and we'd love to talk about it. So appreciate you guys sticking around for these last two episodes, but stick around a little bit longer. We'll be talking soon enough about France and then Germany. I just want to say happy planning, everyone, and we cannot wait to see you on the road soon. Bye. Bye.